what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, our guest is Jen Paulson, the founder and CEO and creator of Siggy Loden Sportswear, a new business with a focus on making a better sports bra. Jen is going to share her story and the challenges of starting an apparel company and some lessons from her entrepreneurial journey. We'll also have our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll be sharing some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Workforce Productivity and the Arts at Catawba Valley Community College. Hello, Gary. How are you doing this fine Friday? Jeff, I'm doing great. Everything going well with you? I have no complaints. Uh, I'm I'm pleased to report that uh, you know we we just finished up our our Skills USA Championship, which are competitions for students across the country. And I was pleased to find out yesterday that our entrepreneurship team won a gold medal. Congratulations! It's another entrepreneurship championship, national championship, national championship, and. And you, Gary, are involved in this whole skills program with like dozens of teams from from automotive to graphic arts to goodness knows what. I can't keep up with all these competitions. And and how many medals did CVCC win this year? Well, we're so proud of our Skills USA team. And again, our entrepreneurship team has won either the national championship or been the runner up seven years in a row. So that's a pretty amazing statistic. And this year, we set a record for the country, uh, even going through the pandemic, that we had 17 top nine finishes in all of our competitions, as you say, from automotive to welding to entrepreneurship to the outstanding chapter advertising, graphic design, too many to name. Uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And that's a tribute to our students and our faculty advisors, of which you are one. And we're just really, really excited. We did win... Uh, seven national medals for second or third, but we had uh, 17 top nine finishes. Yeah. I didn't know when top nine became a a big thing, but, but the, the the interesting thing about that is this was all done virtually and, and our hosts, the people that run this competition wanted to put, uh, they they did it virtually. So they wanted to zoom in nine people. And I guess that would fits well on a screen. So that's why it's nine. Yes. That's, that's the I reason. couldn't figure out why it's not your normal top 10. Yeah. It's sort of like a Hollywood square situation. It is. And that makes all the sense in the world. So they could have them up there and it did work. I think they really tried to do a, a great job virtually. And I think it, it did well. Yeah. Quite honestly. Well, well, well I, I know you put in a lot of work. I know your wife, Tammy, put yes. in a lot of work. So congratulations to you both well, thank uh, you. for the way you yeah, represent. Tammy's, Tammy's the star of putting the back office together and all those presentations. Well, let's, 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 let's introduce another yes, star. Yes, I, I want to do let's, that. Let's introduce our guest, uh, Jennifer Paulson. Uh, and Jen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm coming to you from Green Bay, Wisconsin, home of the Packers. 
Well, well welcome. Well, yeah, we will. We we uh, will not make fun of your Wisconsin accent and thank and, you. And try not to ask you difficult questions about Aaron Rodgers uh, during uh, today's. Yeah, so uh, I've my friends. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Uh, no, nope, right. not talking about Aaron. <laughs> well, as an introduction, Jen is the creator and CEO of a business called. Siggy Loden Sportswear, which is building a better sports bra to empower women to become their best selves, both outside and inside. Jen is a self-described type A perfectionist, which, you know, this might not be the right podcast for you, but we are glad that, we, that you joined us. <laughs> She's got an Ivy League education and a master's in divinity, for good measure. From a young age, she showed entrepreneurial spirit, a love of fashion, and a knack for sales and finance. Growing up in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, she was a child entrepreneur and inventor coming up with a fridge for her wagon. Not that I think you need that. Many, not that you really need a refrigerator in Wisconsin, or I guess maybe you do sometimes. New shades of lipstick, building snow forts with multiple rooms, and she even started her first business at age seven. That's amazing. Prior to starting Siggy Loden, she distinguished herself in banking, sales, and operations. She spent 10 years with an international cosmetics company overseeing teams uh, in the business's profit and operations. She decided to take her skills to South Beach. No, I, I, no she decided <laughs> to take her skills and developed uh, her career and focused on helping others, specifically women dealing with the challenges of working out with a large chest. In Siggy Loden Sportswear, Jen has put her education experience and personal exercise experience to work uh, to create the perfect sports bra. Uh, and we're really pleased that you can join us on the Entrepreneur Exchange. So welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here, guys. So first off, tell us a little bit about the name of your company and where it came from. Well, so the um, the name of the company is Siggy Ladone Sportswear, okay. and uh, and my grandma immigrated from Norway. So this is my my dad's mother, and her name was Signa Ladone, and they called her for short Siggy Ladone. And she was the one that raised my dad, uh, obviously. And she was a very um, empowered type of woman. She did a lot of things that women in those days wouldn't necessarily be you know, be encouraged to do. So we thought when we were coming up with the name for this, let's take it from someone from the family and let's take it from someone that empowers what had empowered women in the past, because that's really what I want this company to do is to empower women and get people feeling like sports bras are something normal to talk about. Um, doesn't have to be something that's under the covers. You know, it's something that people can just talk about on a daily basis. There's sports bras and breasts and exercise. And that's, that's why we came up with Singular Dome. Okay. Well, and, and, and thank you for not uh, making fun of me for mispronouncing it. I apologize for that. So, no, every, everyone does. We're thinking actually of maybe dropping the Ladone and just calling it Siggy because, okay. you know, everyone knows how to pronounce Siggy and that's kind of cute and catchy, but the Siggy Ladone part of it, um, I would say that 99% of people can't pronounce Ladone even after I've pronounced it. So we might drop the Ladone. Okay. Okay. So, so, you know, tell, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit, you gave us some information that I, I shared in your bio in terms of your journey, but you know, why, you know, how, how did you get to this point in time? It, it sounds to me like you've had a pretty successful career in business, you know, and, and some people just have that entrepreneurial spark and, and need to do it. So how did, how did you go from your business career to a point where you decided, Hey, I want to, I want to start a, a, a sports activewear company and focus on bras. 
Yep. So I worked for Lush Cosmetics. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Lush. It's a it's a UK based company. Um, skincare and hair care, bath bombs are what it's pretty much known for. And I was in charge of the North American um, operations, retail operations and sales. It was my responsibility to make sure that each of the 250 stores in the company were profitable. So that's what I did for about 10 years. And I traveled around a lot. So I was traveling three to four weeks a month, um, which made it kind of hard to, you know, have um, permanence anywhere. I was always up in there and I was always, you know, in the UK or in Australia or in Canada, traveling around a lot. And in about, I think it was the end of 2016, we went to a holiday meeting um, in the UK where the founder of Lush, Mark Constantine, talked. And he said that his goal was to build, so he was an entrepreneur, he started the company of, of Lush, and he said his goal was to empower his employees to want to start their own companies. And that's what really got me thinking about it, because one really great benefit of Lush is that it allowed you to do a lot of different things. Like in some companies, you're kind of pigeonholed. You know, if you do finance, you just do finance and you stick within your four walls. But Lush was really great about giving us opportunities in different parts of the business, which gave me a background in pretty much every area of, of a business. So when Mark Constantine said that, you know, his goal was to, to develop entrepreneurs, it really got me thinking, you know, what is something that I'm passionate about? And, you know, is there a business that maybe is in my future? And for me, I've been exercising since I was young. And um, when I was at about, not maybe high school, maybe in college, maybe senior year of high school, freshman year of college, I started to, my, my breasts got really big and I ended up being a size 32G. And for someone that had been exercising a lot, it was kind of like, um, well, now there's nothing on the market that can support my breasts while I'm running. So I was a runner. I did step aerobics, a lot of high impact stuff. And what I was doing is I was wearing two and three sports bras at the same time. So every time I exercised, it wasn't just, you know, you couldn't just, you know, buy a sports bra at Walmart or buy a sports bra at Target, put it on. I needed to buy these expensive sports bras and not, and you know, expensive, but then also two or three of them at the same time. So I was thinking to myself, there's got to be a better way to do this. And there's got to be other women out there who have the same problem. So I talked to a bunch of friends, you know, kind of put it out to, to people that I knew. And I realized this was really a big gap in the market. And then we started looking at, you know, professional sports players, Serena Williams, people with large chests that are out there and watching them as they're playing tennis with their breasts bouncing and really figuring out that this is a big problem. So at the beginning of 2017, I started kind of designing what I thought might work. And at that time, I was, li I was living in Houston. I still live most of the time in Houston. And I had a friend whose husband, he still, he still does, he is a spacesuit designer for NASA. So his degree is in aerospace engineering. And he, got, he and I got to talking about this and we just talked and we kept having meetings and talked about this and talked about that. And he gave me some of the, um, the engineering perspectives and some of the things that I might need to think about when designing a sports bra. So we ended up working together. Um, we came up with some prototypes and that's basically where it started. And I, I decided to quit Lush in May of 2017 and then... I started my Kickstarter for Siggy Ladone in December of 2017. And that's kind of when things, you know, that's when I kind of stopped the cosmetic side of things and started the sports bra side of things. So you've got a NASA engineer helping to design <laughs> sports bras. I certainly do. Yep. And he was one of the ones that was just part of the, the recent SpaceX launch. So he's pretty, pretty important guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty high cool. tech. Yeah, I think that's pretty yep. cool. Yep. Uh, so, so, you know, in terms of 
developing your product. I mean, designing is part of it. You know, and 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 we've had some conversations in the past about the the challenges of producing apparel in not in the United States offshore. You know, tell us a little bit about the challenges that you're that you're running into in terms of getting prototypes, getting what you yeah. want, and and figuring out how to produce your product. Well, I will tell you that if anyone told me it was going to be this hard before I started, I would not have started. So I think maybe I want to make sure your listeners know that um, either either believe that it's not hard so you actually take the leap of faith or realize that it's going to be a lot of work. Um, so one of the first things I did in 2017 when I started was I hired a consultant, a manufacturing consultant, because what I knew I needed to do was find a factory. So I had all these prototypes, but I didn't know how to get it from the prototypes, like, like the prototypes that I had developed to an actual sample that we could try on customers. So the, in terms of the kind of the technical requirements, I've got the sports bra here. I know that the listeners can't see it, but in terms of the technical requirements of what I designed, it's quite what we designed together. It's quite complicated. So we talked to some experts and there aren't a lot of places in the world that could at the time manufacture this sports bra. So we were told at the time, this is back in 2017, that due to the machinery required, there might be some factories in um, Eastern Europe, in Eastern Europe or China. So the person that I hired, the consultant, she sourced us a factory in China. So then what we did is we had this contact in China and we worked back and forth with them. A big challenge there was language barriers, huge, huge challenge because, you know, they're not native speakers over there. Um, and so we had a lot of wires crossed issues, but then we worked together to, to figure out what materials. So this is a big, long process. I'll tell you, I, I did the Kickstarter campaign in 2017 and that's when we raised $55,000 on Kickstarter. We doubled the goal that we had set. And um, that's when I got I got some of that money that we used toward the R&D part of it. But then it took me all of 2018 and the first part of 2019 to actually get the sellable product ready. And that's because we were going back and forth with the factory. We were trying to figure out the fabrics. We were trying to figure out, you know, the different elastics and the elasticity that was required. Um, and then the fit. So with a sports bra, you know, a T-shirt, you can kind of just make a T-shirt and it'll fit over people's curves. But a sports bra really needs to be designed to to go around the curves of a woman's body. So it's a lot more complicated to develop than let's say a pair of pants or a t-shirt. So this was a big, you know, quite a long process. And we eventually got the version one prototype, the version one sample ready to go. And then the version one manufacturer. So to, to what you're, you were asking about Jeff, about, you know, the challenges of, of some of this stuff. Um, I haven't had any issues with IP. You know, I know a lot of it, people have issues with China where you send them your patterns, mm -hmm. you send them your designs, and then you see it being produced somewhere else. Haven't run into that. Um, I think might, part of it might be that this is a sports bra for large chested women. And the, my contact at the factory said over there that, you know, they really, it's not a problem. They called it, they called it um, Amazon woman bra or something like that, <laughs> or a big, big woman bra, because when she was, you know, holding it up to her, this little Chinese woman, obviously she didn't have the the, the breast assets to, to fill it out. So I think that might be a reason that, that IP wasn't an issue with us for China. Um, but what is turning out to be an issue now is getting the same material. So now we're starting production of our version two and we're having a lot of trouble getting those materials again because they had been produced a couple years ago and they don't keep everything, they don't keep everything in stock. So now we're actually looking to see if we can manufacture domestically 
um, to kind of combat some of these things. So it, we think it would help with sourcing. Um, we think that it would help with communication. It would allow me to be able to go and meet with the people and see if what they're producing mm -hmm. is exactly what we want them to produce. So a lot of challenges, um, but you know, we're, we're still plugging ahead on this. Where are you producing in China right now? I did in some work Shaman, over there. Um, Shaman. So sure. ek, it's, it's X-I-A-M-E-N mm -hmm. and it's right across from Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually, I just, um, when I sent them the most recent wire transfer, I was actually sending it to Hong Kong. So I think they have a bank in Hong Kong yeah. and then they manufacture in the mainland of China, which is a whole other story. Cause I went to visit China um, before they did the manufacturing production. And that was, I got to eat. I think I ate dog. I think I ate like I. She, the lady thought it was going to be so interesting to show this show this American. I know girl. you're telling the truth because when I went over there with our businesses, that they tried to show me all these great foods that I could eat, and I said, "No, I don't need dog. I don't need." That's exactly I, I like what she to know did. What it is. If I was and nice. She took me to she took me to this place and it was all laid out, all this different stuff. Oh, you can try any of this stuff. I said, I don't want to try any of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I ate a lot of candy bars I brought over there and diet cokes. <laughs> yep. 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 I had cliff bars. <laughs> understand. All right. Well, I, that, that sounds like a whole different podcast. I don't know yep. about We yep. could talk uh, about China for a long time. Yeah. So, um, so, so you, uh, you know, one, one of the things that Gary and I always talk about, uh, you know, with people on the show, with people that we work with, is just the whole custo customer discovery, getting customer feedback as as you're going through the process. How, you know, how did how did that work for you, uh, Jen, in terms of of making adjustments to your product, trying to validate that hey, this, you know, this this can be a really winning idea for you. Yeah, that's a great question. Something I really like to talk about. So when I was developing the version one, um, the NASA engineer that I worked with kept telling me every time he talked to me, it doesn't have to be perfect for the first version. It doesn't have to be perfect for the first version because I was, <clears throat> I was, you know, the devil's in the details and I was trying to make sure that it was a hundred percent perfect, but he's like, nope, you know, just get something pretty darn good out there. And then you can get feedback from the customers. That's, that's hard for a perfectionist, I assume. Well, see, there you go. The introduction that you gave me was perfect because <laughs> the, my type A pat personality said, no, we need to wait. We need to wait. We need to wait. So what we ended, it ended up actually working out perfectly going through Kickstarter though, though, because, so we had 650 people buy the bra on Kickstarter. Then we sent them the bra early 2019. And after they received the bra, we were able to send out a survey to them to get their feedback. It was just, it worked really slick. So we sent out this survey monkey to the customers. We got back probably 250 to 300 pieces of feedback, as well as people who directly emailed. So that's another, another benefit of Kickstarters that you can really interact well with your customers um, because they're able to just direct message you with their feedback or their thoughts or, you know, wanting an exchange. And so we got feedback from quite a few customers and, you know, also feedback from the people that I directly know that, that were wearing the bra. And then we took that feedback and that's what we changed here for version two. So that's what I spent the beginning of 2020 and, and most of the, you know, the middle of 2020 as well is redesigning the patterns slightly there. It's just, you know, minor tweaks, but to improve the customer experience and to make sure that we, we hit on most of that customer feedback for version two. Yeah. That's, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that sounds like it worked out very well for you. Exactly. Yep. So, so you, you mentioned Kickstarter, and I, I think you said you raised fifty five thousand dollars off of Kickstarter. So kudos yep. to you. So Thanks. I mean, you know, from from a funding perspective, I mean, it, that's always a, a challenge for startup businesses. You know, do they self fund? Do they try to secure investors, funders, 
friend's family, you know, the, our, our, our friend mm -hmm. uh, Byron from the SBTDC right. would say, you, you know, you've got your friends, your families, and your fools who are the investors in uh, startup businesses. Uh, you know, what was your, <laughs> what was your plan and how, are, how, how has that come together for you? Okay. Well, one thing to know about me is that I do not like to sell myself. And that is something that I would tell any entrepreneur that you need. That's a, like a number one quality you need to have. You need to be able to sell yourself out there. Um, when I was little and I was in Girl Scouts, I wouldn't even go door to door selling Girl Scout cookies because I was like, oh, I don't want to put these people out. I don't want to ask them to buy something for me, from me. So I initially, that's not the greatest quality. But what I had done when I was working at Lush is I saved up a whole heck of a lot of money. So when I quit Lush, I had enough money to, to live for three years and to, to self-fund the business. So I put about... At that time, I put about probably $150,000 of my own money into the business, add the $55,000 from Kickstarter. And so we've probably spent between $200,000 and $250,000 at this point. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. And, you know, a good three quarters of it was was money that I had saved up. Um, I didn't ask friends or family for anything other than for them to buy a bra through Kickstarter. Um, and then, and the reason I felt okay about doing that is because, the, the, you know, the premise of Kickstarter is that they just pay ahead and then they get the product. So they weren't necessarily investing in the company. They were buying the product ahead of time. Um, at this point, so... So then in 2020, this is going to be a long answer, Jeff, sorry. Okay. Then in, in 2020, I, I decided to, to launch version two on Kickstarter. I hadn't fully finished version two, but I, I needed the capital up front to do more of the R&D. And I started it at the end of February. We were going gangbusters. And then as soon as coronavirus hit the United States, the Kickstarter campaign, like pledges all of a sudden just stopped. So, so we stopped that version two Kickstarter campaign. And then what I did is for um, the past the past 10 months, I've been doing consulting work, kind of freelance consulting work. So I did that to raise funds again. And now I've got a little bit more money again to keep going on version two. I, the advice that I give a lot of new entrepreneurs, though, is to try to get money from other people before you start moving forward, because it can be pretty demotivating to have saved up money and just see it all declining, all this money declining, declining, declining until you have no money left. And, you know, you've got, you've got your passion project here, but um, you don't have a ton of money to live off of anymore. So although I self-funded and funded through Kickstarter, my advice to other people is always to try to, you know, put in some of your own money, but then get some of the, that fools or friends money, as you were talking about, um, so that the pressure isn't all on your shoulders and that you feel a little bit better as you're spending money. So, so as you move forward, uh, you know, sort of, how do you envision that working? I, I know that you've got yep. some some business partners that are working with you, uh, you know, and and uh, you know, at some point, there might be other options out there in terms of of angel investors or other investors that you know, often they're going to want to see a little bit of traction. Sounds like you've got some traction going on out there and, and uh, have a story to tell. So, I mean, is this something that you're going to try to keep uh, you know, close to you or is this something that you might look for other investors as you go out into the future? Well, and that's a good question. And as Kickstarter started making that money, the $55,000, I did have people approach me that wanted to invest. And then I kind of went back to the same philosophy of the, the Girl Scout cookies, which is 
that if I, then I felt like, well, if I take these people's money, there's a lot more pressure on me to succeed mm-hmm. where, you know, with, with my money. Yeah. I, I may have, you know, spend all my money, but if, if nothing comes of it, you know, it's not the end of the world. Whereas if I start taking people's money, well, then I got to, not that I would work any harder because I'm a real hardworking person. Um, but then there's just a little bit of extra pressure. So as you pointed out, Jeff, I'm, I'm at a really good point right now where I've got, um, I've got a couple business partners, um, ladies that found the sports bra through the website and we're really passionate about it. One of one of the ladies that I'm working with um, is someone that had been wanting to start a bra company for a long time, but found that there were so many barriers to entry, which I would say is true about the sports bra business. There are a lot of barriers to entry. Um, and so she and I are in talks right now with her with her potentially investing um, and another lady as well. I would really like to have the female investors because we, you know, it would be nice to keep it a female owned and run company. So I'm in a really good place now with um, feeling positive about the future of the company enough so that I would take money um, because I know we're at the point right now where we're going to be pretty wildly successful in the next couple of years. <laughs> and, uh, you, some people will say, and I'm not actually one of them, that you have to, that you should be thinking about an ultimately have an exit plan. You know, to me, who knows, who knows where you're going to end up, who knows where you're going to go, but, but you're nodding and, and that, that seems this to is, strike something with you. It does. It does. This is a great question too, because um, in, I think at the end of 2019, early 2020, when I was running out of money, I met with a, um, a venture capital company. So I went to Princeton and there's a venture capital company that focuses specifically on um, Princeton entrepreneurs. And that it was it was a shock to me because I didn't know a lot about venture capital at the time. I do now, um, but it really and these guys were nice guys. Nothing against these guys, but it really felt like kind of like a shark situation, you know, where they're like, you know, we need ten x, so we need ten x by this date. Ten x meaning, you know, if 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 we lend you a hundred thousand dollars, we expect to get a million dollars back within four to five years. And their big thing for me was, what's your exit plan? And that just seems kind of like I, I don't know if churn and burn is the right is the right way of looking at it, but I'm not looking at this as something that I want to sell in four or five years. I'm looking at this as something that I want to grow and hopefully eventually be like a family business that I could you know leave to my kids or um, at least leave to my sister. Um, but I'm I'm not thinking of an exit strategy. I'm thinking of keeping this growing. And I think that that's also a big difference when you start out as an entrepreneur. You kind of have to figure out: Do you want to you know make make a quick buck, sell out, and then move something else? move to something else? Or is this something that you're so passionate about that you're going to be developing it, you know, continuing to work with it for years and years to come? I think it's a good discussion you guys are having because when people talk about being entrepreneurs, you think about them having passion and wanting to be exactly the way you described it as opposed to that quick hit. So I think if you're going to be successful, you need to be passionate about whatever you're doing. So, well, and, and and there are some people that might describe themselves as a serial entrepreneur who's right. you know, there. They might not have a specific product or business that they're passionate about, but their passion is starting creating and then turning it over to somebody else and starting creating uh, a well, different that's true. business. Yeah. I so I mean, it's, it, it depends on the person. So, and, and, and Jen sounds like, yeah, your, your product is very personal to you and your business is very personal mm-hmm. to you. So it's, it's your baby. So. It is. It's definitely my baby, which is why for a while when um, after I did the Kickstarter campaign and people got their bras, so many people love the bras. And then we had a couple of people that gave some negative feedback. And I literally felt, Jeff, like they were criticizing my child. I'm like, how are you going to criticize my baby sports bra? Um, but that's another quality that an entrepreneur really has to have, which is resilience. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, especially like your first version, there's going to be some things that aren't perfect about it. But you've got to be resilient and realize, you know, they're not criticizing you here. They're giving you valuable feedback that you can 
continues to take forward. So I think I think resilience, I think the ability to self-promote, I think those are really key criteria, if, um, you know, when you're figuring out if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. Well, you've been at this for a few years, but you had the curveball of a pandemic mm-hmm. thrown yes. at you yes. last year. And you said yes. that you were in the midst of uh, your second Kickstarter campaign and uh, it sort of hit a wall there. How how did working on your business uh, change during a pandemic and, and how's it impacted your business? Yeah, I think um, so good and bad. So the bad part of it was that I, I launched that second Kickstarter right as the pandemic started and people were all of a sudden worried about their cash flow and worried about the future, worried about at that point, remember how terrifying it was. It was like, are we even going to live? You know, because some of the, the fear at the beginning was like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to die. Um, so, so everything stopped at the beginning of the pandemic. And then I needed to, I needed to switch tax. So what I ended up doing was I pulled that version two down And that's when I decided to take work as a consultant at a company that was um, supplying industrial tents, which was becoming a really big deal in the COVID situation because there was going to be all sorts of outdoor eating, um, outdoor restaurants, you know, outdoor exercising, all that kind of stuff. So then I started, that's when I started consulting for the past 10 months for that company. Um, And then I came back. So I basically put a pause on the sports bra business. I, I, I even stopped. So we have a few version ones left online, not very many, and they're on sale right now on version one, um, the version ones online. Um, but I pulled that from the website and I just did this consulting thing to make some money. And then I started back up on the sports bra business in January. And that's when these two potential investors, the two potential business partners reached out and said, Jen, it looks like you've, you know, you've stopped doing this. Are you ready to start up again? Mm-hmm. And that's what really gave me the confidence to and, and knowing it was the right time to start things back up again. So then we put the bras back on the website um, on sale and we started selling through a bunch of them because people are stuck at home and people were starting to exercise a lot more because they're like, what else am I going to do? Um, so that's so it actually ended up working well for me, Jeff, because I was able to earn a little bit more money to put back into the business and sell quite a few bras during this pandemic time because people need their sports bras. Yeah. That's, it, it's been yeah. it's been interesting to see how different businesses have been impacted. I mean, there are certain businesses that, uh, you know, it feels bad to say benefited. Yeah, you know, that's not the, really the word that you want to use, but but have have been positively impacted, yeah. and, and and others, you know, have, have been devastated by it. So it's just sort of an interesting uh, interesting situation there. So, yeah. well, yeah, you you. You've shared in terms of some of the lessons that you've learned, and you know, I've been writing some things down in terms of uh, resiliency, the the need to self promote, sell, uh, and and you also talked some about funding. But are there other lessons or other advice that you have out there for folks who might be considering starting a business? Yes, I have two other one, um, besides so the resiliency, the ability to self promote. Two other ones that come quickly to mind. One is. Um, it really is who you know. So when I was growing up, I was kind of, I was a hard working student and I was like, oh, it shouldn't be who you know, it should be how hard you work. Mm-hmm. But really in, in business, I'm finding it's a lot about connections. So my advice to you is to reach out to as many people as you can, take as many meetings as you can, even if you're not sure how that person you know could eventually be part of what you're doing going forward, build the relationships, build the connections. Um, 
Also, it really does help to be more on the outgoing side because it helps to talk about your product a lot, get people interested in your product. And then people, you know, I have, I have a list. So this is a good piece of advice. I have a list of about a hundred people that I have made contact with over the past couple of years that have different areas of expertise. And then I'm able to go back to that list when, oh, I need a graphic designer for this, or, you know, I need help with someone designing packaging. And I then have talked to people, uh, people who, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I didn't think were ever going to be helpful to me, but now I go back to that list. I have someone that works at Nike, you know, designing their sports bras. And so I've got good connections now. So that's one piece. And then the other, you know, the final piece I would probably say is that you've really got to be brave. You got to believe in yourself and you just got to take that leap of faith and step out there because you're never going to feel like you're a hundred, you know, it's never going to be like a hundred percent guarantee. There's always going to be some, you know, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? But you really just need to be brave and believe in yourself because it, what's the, what I, this isn't the quote. I'm going to, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's something like you miss a hundred percent of the chances mm-hmm. you don't take or something like that. You know, hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thanks Gary. Yep. You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So take the shot, take the shot. And someone also told me that in business, if you're still in business three years after you start, you have, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but like you're 85% more likely to be successful if you can make it that long. So I'm just trying to make it, you know, through three year three and three, four here, you're three and three, four. Um, and hoping that the, there's really good things to come. Well, well, it's a great story. Yes, Congratulations on getting so far. And, and uh, we, we look forward to, to seeing your continued success and, and hopefully helping you and making some of those connections to make it work. It, you, you talked about being brave and bold. Are you willing to participate in our lightning round today? Yes. So that's the part I'm most excited. I only did this interview to participate in the lightning round. All right. Well, <laughs> see, it's legendary now. Today's lightning <laughs> round is, is sponsored by Global Gym. You know, do you need to lose some weight and get in shape, Gary? Go to someone else's gym. <laughs> if uh, if you already look good, I don't know what to say? To if you already look good, go to Globo Gym. You can check it out I'm on the internet. Globo Gym. So so, uh, <laughs> Jen, we've got some. That sounds quick... like Garrison Keeler. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some quick questions for you, which for some quick answers. So don't don't overthink it. Okay. No, I won't. I won't. I won't. All right. Question number one: What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh boy, um, I would say. Oh shoot. Um, how about my boyfriend not leaving the toilet seat down? How about that? <laughs> some of us have been trained. It takes a while. But, uh, some of us have been trained. Been married in that. for a while. You so, make sure that that is required. Vacation spot you would most like to visit oh. post-pandemic? Oh, my goodness. Banff. So B-A-N-F-F, Banff in Alberta in Canada. I love skiing. It's a big national park. Gorgeous. And you can't get to Canada right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I just added this one while we were talking. <laughs> Bart Starr, Brett Favre, or Aaron oh. Rodgers? Well, you want to know what? I would have said Aaron Rodgers if this were a couple months ago, but Aaron Rodgers is making a lot of us in Green Bay mad these days. So I'm going to go with Brett Favre because even though he switched over to the Vikings at the end, he, he was a good guy and he, he never let us down over here in Green Bay. Okay. Who is your business role model? I used to I used to say yeah. I used to say Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, or or Steve Jobs, and 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 now they all have some baggage associated yeah. with them. So who's your business role model? So I'm going to say it's Sarah Blakely. Do you guys know who that yeah. is? The founder of Spanx. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So a story that I read about. Do I have time for a quick story about Sarah Blakely? Sure. So so she invented. This is a story I read about her in a magazine that she invented her Spanx. Um. She had a prototype of it, and she just went into a department store. She was trying to sell it. The, the buyer was like, no, we're not interested. We're not interested. And she said, go try it on. 
the, the, the buyer went to try it on, loved it, and they decided to order from Sarah Blakely, which is how Spanx got off the ground. So I admire her tenacity and the fact that she was a great self-promoter. Sounds good. What is your favorite summer Olympic sport? Gymnastics. That's kind of cliche, but it is. Well, I, <laughs> one of my, my best friend's daughter is a gymnast for the University of Oklahoma, so I have embraced uh, gymnastics as well. So there oh, you go. Oh, wow. So anyway. Mm -hmm. um, TV or movie streaming recommendation? I am spending all my time doing the sports bra business, you guys. I'm not watching too much. But I would say that my sister got me recently hooked on um, Shit's Creek. Okay. I don't like to say it, Shit's Creek. Yes. But have you guys seen that? It's it's a yes. it's a comedy show on Netflix, which mm -hmm. I'm now in season five of. All right. Well, you're making good progress there. Good for you. <laughs> Last question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? What initially came to me is the ability to see the future. But, you know, I know you told me not to overthink. And I think if I overthought, I would not pick that. But having not overthought, I'm going to stick with the ability to see the future, to see what happens. Okay. Can nice. I ask one? Go ahead. Favorite Chinese food, dog, oh. cat, or mystery? Oh. You know what? I think the mystery is better because I can always just tell myself it's chicken. That's exactly right. <laughs> I agree. Right answer. All right. Jen, you have been a fabulous guest. Oh, Thank you so thanks, much. Guys. If people want to find Siggy and, and, and maybe even buy a, a sports bra, where should they be looking for you? Well, they can please go to SiggyLadone.com and I'll spell it. So it's S-I-G-G-I-E. L-O-D-O-E-N.com. Or you can Google Siggy Sports Bras and it'll come up. Okay. But this is this has been such a pleasure, Gary. Pleasure to meet you. Jeff, yeah, nice to see you again. This was wonderful. Well, we we, we appreciate we you it. joining us and, and it's great. And we we always like to end our uh, podcast by featuring a couple of small businesses that Gary and I have run into. So so Gary, what is the small business that uh, you're gonna talk about this month? Thanks, Jeff. The business I'd like to spotlight today is Backstreet's Restaurant. This business is a strong tie to CVCC, and it's been around for a while, but it's uh, got a strong tie to CVCC, and we've been working with them on some different projects. So I wanted to highlight them because I've had the good fortune to get to know them and their business over the last year. Brian Norris is Backstreet's owner, and it's a story of overcoming adversity early in his life to become a very successful business person and role model for our community. Brian was a student at CVCC back in the 90s, and when he was learning about life and business, uh, he played on our golf team at the college, the only uh, national championship that we have at CVCC. I, I didn't even know the college had a uh, golf team. We did back in the 90s. And but now we, I know we do now have a bass fishing team. We do have a bass fishing team. So, I know that's one of your favorite parts I of know. the college. Yeah, I love those student athletes. That's right. <laughs> As we all know, <laughs> it's uh, very difficult to go to school, work, and then play a sport in college. But after he graduated, uh, he used that determination and grit that he learned how to do all those things at one time. To be, uh, and he's a self-taught chef, which he learned that during school. And he's become successful entrepreneurs. I talked about that. And started the Backstreet's Restaurant along with his wife, Suzanne. Backstreet's got an outstanding reputation in Hickory, North Carolina, and is known for great food and friendly atmosphere. My favorites are their chicken salad and cheeseburgers, but they have a lot of great specialties. Have you, are you a fan of Backstreet's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great chicken I, salad. Exactly. His Hickory restaurant's been so successful, they opened another Backstreet's in Columbia, South Carolina, just a few years ago. And that was because Brian and Suzanne answered to the desire of their kids as they're growing up to grow the business. And the Columbia Backstreet's has managed 
by their children. Okay. Pretty cool. So it's a true family success story. Franchising opportunities. And there you go. And it really is a good place. And he's a great guy. So is Suzanne. Uh, they If two businesses uh, that are successful wasn't enough, they've started a new business, The Loft on the Square here in Hickory, which is a uh, event venue okay. for different things, small businesses and companies. Well, big, big companies can have you know their meetings and stuff off campus from their business, and uh, okay. he's doing a great job. And okay. so we're looking forward to the next business the Norris is going to start to add to the charm of Hickory, North Carolina. Oh, very good. All right. Well, the, the um, business that I've run into this uh, month is something called Andy Factory. And it's, Andy Factory is the creation of a young man, only 17 year old, years old, Andrew Burton. He's been operating it informally since he was five years old in 2008. Andy Factory specializes in making unique and flavor, flavorful barbecue sauces uh, and is best product is called Uncle Dell's Mambo Sauce. Uh, Uncle Dell refers to uh, his late stepfather who was in the U.S. Army, uh, who he holds in very high esteem and, and basically says, if the quality of my product would meet his uh, criteria, it's a good product. Uh, as I mentioned, he founded Andy Factory when he was five years old. He's making cookies for a homeschool project. And uh, his mom assigned him the task of creating a business and Cuteness and his mom's baking made his uh, cookie project a big success. He made $700. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've gone on to create their own sauce called the Uncle and uh, uh, the, the Mambo Sauce. And it's been a hit. Uh, he aspires to be a pediatric anesthesiologist, but increasingly he sees Andy Factory as, a, as his future. He's only a rising senior in the Washington, D.C. area in high school. He's got his product uh, in several restaurants and stores in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, which is where he resides. And if you go to www.andyfactory.com, you can read about uh, Andrew Burton and, and his Mambo sauce and see some of the cool stuff that he's done. So anyway, uh, we always like to hear about that's the amazing. young entrepreneurs Absolutely. out there. So anyway. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, we'll, we'll wind things up, uh, today. If, uh, our listeners out there have a su- suggestion for a business of the month, send them to us at eexchange at the mesh.tv. And if we use yours, you'll get one of our fabulous prize packs. We want to thank Jen Paulson for joining us today. Thank you so much, Jen. Good job by you. We want to Great thank to the you. mesh podcast network. Best wishes to everyone. Stay healthy. Enjoy your summer. Get outside, get active, and uh, we look forward to talking with you next month. Looking forward to it. Everybody be safe. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.